Okay, we're recording. I'm going to sniff a little bit because I have hay fever. Oh, no. A little bit. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no. So, so Jake, you are, um, I guess, after William Delaman, you are my, uh, oh, you're my guinea pig here. Second guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for those who are tuning in, uh, maybe watching this conversation, um, I, I'm calling these COVID conversations. And uh, I've been setting up a few of these with people in our church. And I'm just going to, uh, Jake and I are going to have a conversation about what life has been like um, over the last couple of weeks and just do some reflection. Uh, in this time, we're all like separated by space because we need to be. Um, but I thought one way we could bridge the gap is just by having people share their story and then putting it on YouTube. So we'll see how this goes. And if Jake lets me post it, uh, you'll see it, you'll see it soon. Um, so Jake, what is the last yes. few, what has the last few weeks been like for you? Oh, I mean, same old, same old. What do you mean by that? You know what? I don't mind being on my own. Yeah. But I'm married to a very good woman who is very social. So she connects with people in various different ways, and I get to hear about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. But no, I'm a loner, usually. But. Uh, the things I have missed is I, John Zalstra and I and another fellow, um, Winston Elgersma, um, we usually go out once a week for lunch and a coffee, and that's been taken away from us. So that's an adjustment, and that's too bad. Anyway, yeah, but otherwise, yeah, you know, I, I'm not very mobile, and so... Uh, I putter around in the yard, and I read, and I sleep, and I watch TV, and I annoy Joyce. I mean, it's all regular. <laughs> so you're you're kind of a, a little bit more introverted by nature, then. So, well, Joyce would take exception to that. Says you talk too much, but yeah, no. And there's one other thing that I miss, and I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, we go to Costco every so now and then mostly for our meds, but while we're there, Joyce stocks up. And uh, I married a woman who knows how to stock up. When things are on sale, she stocks. And we have a supply that will, will look after us for several months. But anyway, what I miss is going to Costco, having a latte, and then watching this... Uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, parade of people, you know, with shopping carts, just going out. And while I'm sitting there, I often strike up a conversation with someone next to me. And I ponder about who, what, what these people carry in their pack sack of life. What stories? And I get to hear some of them. And that's very enlightening. And that makes me sort of use that as a way of looking at the whole world. And then I see the billions of people in this world. And where are they all coming from? And what do they carry in their pack sacks of life? And it's fascinating, you know, and it's enlightening. So I miss that. I mean, mostly people go to Costco, you know, to make it, you know, to, to get something cheap. I, I do too. I get free stories. Right. <laughs> and and the, like, you sort of feel like a rich man, I feel like, after you listen to someone's story. I don't know about you. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I was in Costco last year at a, at a time, and I ran into a gal who used to work in our uh, agency and she was gorgeous uh, and now i saw her and she was just a skeleton 
and I found out she had cancer, mm. terminal cancer, and that was very, very sad. And so then I have my coffee and I'm sitting beside a woman and I tell her about, you know, how I look at all these people with their stories and wonder where they're at. And then I find out that her husband was a forester with the Forest Service who came out from Hungary in 1956, went to UBC, the whole forestry uh, college of Hungary, went to UBC, finished their education, and uh, I ended up working with some of them. And that was kind of neat. So I knew who she was talking about. And that was, you know, that put us together. And then I mentioned to her about this, this gal from my work who had terminal cancer. And she turns to me and she says, I too have terminal cancer. Wow. You never know. You never know yeah. who you're walking beside, you yeah. know? And uh, you feel really uh, at one with others. Yeah. Anyway, so mm -hmm. those are the kinds of things I miss. But that's why I'm not really an interviewer, Bert Choice says, because I know how to yak. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, it, and it takes, um, so as someone who leans introverted myself, I find I can kind of go uh, one of two ways when I'm in a, a big group or like a crowded place like Costco. Although generally speaking, I avoid Costco uh, because it's it's too big for me. Um, but uh, I can go one of two ways. Um, one way, and this is probably my default way, is I I get a little too nervous and then I I kind of close right down and I just try to get out as fast as I can. The other way is when I'm when I'm in sort of a a better frame of mind is I'll try to zero in on. A particular person and just say like how is your day going so just uh, try yeah. to have a, a real connection with someone in particular uh, because the crowd actually scares me a little but if I kind of focus on somebody in particular then it's not as um, yeah scary and that's a good opening question for a discussion mm -hmm. you know how's your day going yeah okay. I usually ask people, because there's so many varieties of people from different uh, ethnic backgrounds, you know, how long have you been in Canada? Or is Canada your home? Where are you from? And then we get talking to where they're from and what they've experienced, etc. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many ways to uh, uh, connect with people. Because yeah. most people are really keen to share their story if they know this is someone who is really interested. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think, uh, especially in, well, I still go out to grocery stores. Um, uh, and what, I, what I'm finding is there's all these gaps between people and you get to the tail and it's almost like it's been kind of a nervous time just to make it this far because everyone's a little bit yeah. cautious and a little bit nervous. And um, I've been trying to make an effort just to look the cashier in the eye, you know, and say, what, how are you guys holding up? Because yeah. I mean, these grocery store people are really, I mean, they're, they're on they're, the front line. Yeah, they're really serving yeah. us big time. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned a, a few of the losses you're feeling, just that, uh, that yeah. loss of, uh, I mean, it's, they're not huge losses for you, yeah. but. No. You know, you miss your friends and yeah. your your lunch dates. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you're uh, you'd say that like, oh, this is a loss. I wish COVID has taken this away from me. No, not so far. Not so I far. really wonder how long this is going to last, and, and nobody really has an answer. You know. Oh yeah, I have one other thing. You know, I can't meet with my children and grandchildren. Um, and then I look at my son, who is uh, an emergency doc, and uh, he's the uh, medical director at Squamish Hospital, but he also works in, in Duncan in the emergency. And, you know, just like these people in the grocery store, they're on the front line. That's right. And uh, that's tough. 
-hmm. That's really tough, you know. And uh, but when they say it's war, at least people are willing to step forward and fight, you know. And serve. That's right. Yeah. 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 So your so, son is uh, he's in the battle then uh, as yeah. a doctor. And... Yeah. Yeah. And wow. uh, my children and grandchildren, our children and grandchildren have said, Grandpa, Grandma, stay home. Don't go out. <laughs> and uh, other than other than gardening in the backyard, you're you're listening to that advice. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. There's lots. You know, I love nature and biology um, is my first love. So there's lots of things at this time of year in spring. You know, to uh, be excited about. Yeah. Yeah, the world is coming alive. I know it is. It is pretty, uh, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. What I've noticed too is, um, just how like nature doesn't really care what's going on. Or, you know, we're all nervous about this thing we can't see, this virus, right? Yeah. Um, but the flowers come up anyway. Oh yeah. The buds show up on the tree yeah. anyway. Yeah. And the birds it, are singing and making nests. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things I've been, one of the things I've been thinking about, um, like this is, this is a time in like the whole world really, where we're all in a way being forced to, to rest. At least many people are, um, yeah. You know, many people are sick with the virus and they're not resting. They're, they're like probably anxious or afraid or some of them are sick and, and some of them are in the hospital. But for the rest of us, we're all just at home. Many of us can't go to work. We're, planes aren't flying across the ocean. Factories aren't producing uh, smog and pollution. The world is on hold. And I, I, one of the things I can't help but think about is how this is kind of a a season of rest for for the world, like not just for the people in the world, but for the world itself, for nature. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot less pollution happening right now. Um, and maybe, yeah. you know, we put a lot of strain on on the on the earth, just with how many people live here and what we all need and what and trying to you know fill up what we all want. Um, and this is sort of a forced slowdown. And I can't help but think that creation is taking a breath. Uh, it's giving a getting a chance to rest. You know? I'm not sure. You're not, I'm sure? not sure? In this, in this time of, of, of rest, are we procreating many more kids? <laughs> Okay. Is there going to be a baby boom in uh, well, <laughs> nine no, months? Exactly. But, but it is also a time of reflection. Mm -hmm. I think that's the important part. Mm -hmm. You know, to reflect on who are we globally? Who mm -hmm. are we as a human family? Who are we as a family of image bearers of the creator? And... What are we going to do when we get out of this? Will this change the way we look at things, the way we value things? Um, will it allow us, you know, to look beyond our own egotistical uh, positions or our communal positions, uh, you know, as people from a particular race, religious group, or country, uh, you know, I, I think this will change something in the way we live. What? I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it, I, I, I agree. I, I, I find myself wondering the same thing. Um, I, I kind of hope that we learn humility. Because yeah. I don't like as a i don't know a, as a as a species like that we're not all powerful you know that there's there's stuff 
that levels us in this world. Um, we, we, we tend to think we can do anything and then something like this happens and it kind of puts us in our place a bit. Yeah, what I find really remarkable is that we're focused on the uh, cosmics, cosmos and uh, what can be coming at the earth that could harm us. Um, we make sure that we have enough atom bombs that we can kill everybody, including ourselves, in self-defense or offense. And then something unseen shows up and uh, makes us all crawl into our houses and closes our doors. <laughs> no? Yeah. Um, and, that's, and that is remarkable. Um, and, you know, it affects everyone. You know, the good, the righteous and the unrighteous, those that are fighting each other and those that are trying to get along with each other, you yeah. know, and all of a sudden the enemy and we're, I, who knows, maybe we'll become like muskox and put our bums together and, and face outward as a uh, civilization, you know, and say, hey, where do we go from here? Let's take stock of where we're at. Mm -hmm. you know? Who knows? I don't know. And in that respect, I also feel, and I guess this is what I've been wrestling with, you know, um, is my own faith life. Um, where is God in this? And I've come to a position where I say, we're in partnership with him. We have been in partnership with him. And where is he? And I'm reminded of a question that either you or Brittany asked the Sunday school kids. And young Joseph said, he's everywhere. You just put your mind to that. Nothing exists without his presence. Nothing. You know, and he's sort of, in a way, hidden in his own creation. Mm -hmm. um, and we're trying to figure out, are we here? Why is there a universe? What are we doing to ourselves? You know? mm -hmm. So I think this is a time of reflection. You know, I look at people, I have a very close friend in Sudbury that I went to school with many years ago. And, uh, you know, he makes his living by uh, having his investments in the stock market. Well, he's lost nearly half of his, uh, his assets in the last few weeks. Huh? And yet, those are the questions he asks. You know, where is this all going? And are we going to learn anything from this? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Do you have any... Uh... Uh, you were reflecting about God's. Um, well, you're 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 trying to make sense of the, this situation and how God fits into this. Um, what do you find yourself thinking when you think about God and COVID nineteen? What I find myself thinking is, where do I fit into this? Mm. Um, I wake up every morning with the first few lines of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. You know, uh, your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. And then I reflect on this. Uh, your will be done and your standards of practice. And then instead of outlining to him saying, oh, this is the thing I want to do, I ask him, what is it that you see that you think I should benefit from? Give me an inkling. What is it you perceive? What is it that you want me to do? And the thing I've come up with since I've been a churchgoer all my life, uh, and I don't mean that just uh, as a goer, um, it's been part of my life. And so, you know, when you've been raised in that kind of 
mental and spiritual preoccupation, you don't have to worry about what you're going to do or what you're going to say, you know? And often I look back on life and I say, hey, that's a coincidence. No, there are no coincidences, you know? And hey, how did I, where did I ever get the notion to say what I did or do what I did? And then I just carry on. But I think, you know, I think it's, for me, that is really what the Christian faith is about, that Jesus asked us to practice. When he said baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and teach everything I've taught you. I think the emphasis is on the latter part, not the sprinkling of water. Teach. In other words, fill yourself with my teaching. Fill everyone around you that, you know, in the same way, if you can. And then you'll live out of that. Yeah. Okay. What do no, you... Uh... Yeah. What what I'm hearing you say there is you're you're less preoccupied with what kind of wondering what God is up to yeah. and more more wondering as a disciple what what does he want me to be up to? Yeah, and also what does he want me to reflect on? Right. He's not out of the picture. I believe very strongly that the entire cosmos is in partnership with him. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take something uh, chemical. We're mostly made up of carbon. Where did that carbon come from? You know, it was the explosion of who knows what things in the cosmos. Where did gold come from? You try and make gold, you can't make gold. Came from exactly the same place. You know, so the development, the evolving of the universe, I can now, I look at now as saying, it was all part of everything that God made to work in partnership with him to make it possible for us to be. And then I look at ourselves and there is no other creature that comes anywhere close, you know, to who we are. Where did we come from? I look at people, you know, when we come out of church and we have coffee and we all sit around and get, and I look at the immense talent that exists collectively in that group. And that's how I look at people in Costco too, the immense talent. Where did it come from? You know, and then now, how can get how can we get away from being egotistical about our talents? You know, yeah. Anyway, I, I always find uh, for myself, um, it actually kind of hits me. I find at weddings, uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking around the room, not so much the ceremony, but like the after uh, the the reception. I guess it's called. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm watching people talk or dance or laugh. And there's these circles, you know, of people that are, people are just, it's, it, for me, it's a picture of, it's like we're participating in the, the communion of creation here. Like for, yeah. for, for some reason it happens uh, for me very strongly at weddings. And I, I just get this sense that like, Wow, we were we were made for relationship with each other and God, and it all kind of clicks into place for me, and I'm I'm kind of overwhelmed with awe at uh, at how all this fits together. Yeah. Um, now related to that, I'll, I'll share with you something I shared with Paul Stat because we we often have a chat. Um, you know, when I say we're in partnership with God, the creator, that also 
is a fact in procreation. If there is a life after death, and it doesn't make any sense to me that there wouldn't be, then in the most intimate relationship that people have with one another is the conception of another human being. Think about it, okay? It's not just another biological thing that is being created. I mean, it's awesome. And so, yeah, anyway, those are the things I marvel at, yeah. 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 I like that word marvel. I, I feel like yeah. that's the, that's the right word. It, um, yeah. I'm curious about, do you have any sense for your own, like your own self? Like when you, what does it look like to hallow God's name to seek first his kingdom and his will? Like at such a time as this, any peace. sense? Peace. Yeah, peace. You know, because if you look on life, how much control did you ever have in life? You know, most of my life, most of my early life, I should say, well, quite a bit. I wish I'd never been born. And when I was 17, I came within, within a whisker of uh, shooting myself. Um, I had the gun all loaded and cocked, put my thumb in the, on the trigger, and my brother and I shared a room, two rooms upstairs on the third floor. And there was a door between our two rooms. And each of us had a window. And a, a breeze went through the room, slammed the door. And it's the only time I've never jumped. And then I sort of reflected and I said, how come I didn't jerk? that gun off and if I had it would not have been my decision and then I reflected on the fact and the next moment God would say what are you doing here I didn't call you mm. and then I went into the very deepest of depression I didn't want to be born and I couldn't get out of it mm. I had such low self-esteem that haunted me for a long, long time. Wow. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So each one of us has our different moments. Yeah. And, you know, and then I started looking at the Bible and reading things and saying, why am I here? And when Joyce and I married, well, I was on the, on the road to some recovery. And thank goodness, with her background as a social worker, she's helped me a long ways. But it took me until my 40s to sort of, and I prayed for transcendence, you know? Um, and so it was now looking back, I'm saying, that was all part of the suffering you had to go through, you know, to um, become the person that you're going to become, you know, with the influence of others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. You mentioned, uh, well, there's a lot that you mentioned in the last three minutes that, uh, I mean, some you know, of it, I'm almost, I'm, I'm going to be 80 this year, right? Got to yeah. jump start on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you were sharing, I mean, I, I, I was, I knew about your journey with depression, at least a yes. little bit. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if I remember hearing about your, your close, uh, suicide attempt and, yeah. uh, in a way, God's um, inter intervention, uh, yeah. and then your journey out. Um, you mentioned in in your forties, you it was like a prayer for transcendence. What do, what do you mean by that? Forties or fifties? We had a minister here, and that was John. Who was the guy that was ahead of you? John, John, John. John Heidinger. Heidinger. And I don't remember correctly what it, what he had, but he had, you know, a, what looked like a 
a bit of, well, a naked, a large naked branch up on, um, you know, the front there. And he had little green leaves that had been cut. And we were asked to put what we most wanted on one of those little green leaves and then put it on this tree and this tree came alive. Okay, that was, that was kind of neat. And I remember that I'd been toying with transcendence. I wanted to see what God saw, I guess. I wanted to rise above my own fears and insecurity and cowardness and stuff. That's, and you know, that's been a godsend, you know? Mm -hmm. Because now I can look at myself as part of the human race and not having the human race look at me and saying, what's with him? You know, mm -hmm. yeah. which is what I suffered from before. Right. So yeah. you, were, you were gifted with kind of a, a God's eye view of yourself and of, of the world. Yeah. Yeah. That so, kind of helped to give perspective to your, right. your view of things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no. And so that's what I mean when I sit at Costco and I see this conveyor belt of humanity, you know, leaving that rolls of toilet paper and stuff. <laughs> right. It's hilarious. <laughs> but then yeah. I say to myself, and what's happening in each of their lives? What has happened? You know, what's taking place? How are they dealing with it? Mm -hmm. And they're not dealing with it alone, regardless. Okay? Mm -hmm. Like Joyce, Joyce often says, you know, one of her granddaughters says, I don't believe in God. And then she says, that's well, a good thing he believes in you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I'll, ha I'll have to share a song with you. Uh, I'll, I'll send a link. Uh, there's a, a folk artist called um, Pierce Pettis. And uh, yeah. he has a a song called God Believes in You. I think it's called yeah. that. I, I, I think it might be, um, it might have a different name, but there's a, his, the chorus is um, God Believes in You. Yeah. And uh, I think what I'm hearing you share, I'm like, that song is just ringing in my head um, because I, I think it uh, is somewhat of, it would map onto some of your story and, and then also how you how you look at people and engage people and it strikes me that would you consider that in a way um your act of witness to kind of come alongside of people and just try to tap you know, into their story i i don't know and i really don't care one of the things i did find and this is another wrestle i've had with churchianity rather than Christianity. I had a, a fellow that I worked with and we wrote in the bush often together. Um, and his wife was very much involved with the Anglican church. And I didn't know whether he believed in anything at all. Um, but I know one time, you know, at a coffee break session at work, we were talking about uh, religion and stuff. And he, you know, somebody mentioned Christianity. He says, are you talking Christianity? or churchianity. And that really stuck with me. Churchianity is really all about the things we must do. And there's a saying in, in management, if you can measure it, you can manage it. The one thing that you can't do in church is manage faith. Okay? And when I look at that's why I come back to Christ's mission for the church. Teach them everything I've taught you. And then what that really implies is, and then let my spirit bring that to fruition. Anyway, that's what the church, in spite of its churchianity, you know, has, has, uh, uh, yeah, introduced me to. 
And so in spite of our weaknesses and in spite of our need to control and all of that crap, you know, um, the world will unfold the way he wants it to unfold with our participation, good or bad. Yeah. Anyway, so much for that. (laughs) Well, um, I mean, this is why I... uh... What I'm hearing is one of the reasons why I picked you first, Jake, because I like uh, I like how you uh, you go where um, it, it's a very authentic journey for you. Um, at least that's what I, as yeah. you share it, that's what I that's what yeah. I experience. I'm I'm getting Jake's journey in that sort of raw, uncut way, and I, I've always yeah. really, really appreciated that about you. And you know what? I've been wanting to have a coffee with you for a long time. And well, I, I, time. I've but got my... I've uh, I, I the cup. <laughs> now you have time to have a chat. That's right. <laughs> and that's yeah. great. So that's well, also one of the benefits. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I would say, uh, like, one of my questions, um, what are you thankful for in this? What, like, what opportunities has, has this virus uh, opened up that maybe you... Uh, are receiving as gifts or um, you sense that, oh, this is a, this is a, um, what's a, what's the word I'm looking for? This is an opportunity. Yeah. Well, I look at our society, our nation, our community. You know, we have neighbors that phone us and say, can we do anything for you? We find a sticker on the gate and guy two doors down. If you need anything, give me a call. You know, it's like we've all we're all coming together to help each other. You know, and all we need to do is to say, okay, what can I do? Well, if I need something, I'll let them know. You know, yeah. So it's like what I said earlier: the muskogs putting their bums together and saying, okay, guys, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah. it's it's building it's, like new new. You know, uh, Connections in the neighborhood. Well, connections that we've always had, but now they become something more special, you know. But it's also people from church phoning us, friends phoning, you know, people we work with phoning. Mm-hmm. In fact, several times I've tried to phone out, and all the lines are busy. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. had it twice today. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so people are really connecting in other ways because they're concerned. You know? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm I'm feeling that too. That um, well, there's a, there's something when you have a shared experience. Like, well, when I was in Israel um, on like a, a study trip last year, our guide was really into um, taking us on adventures that were. Uh, strenuous and sometimes kind of dangerous. So yeah. he liked he liked pulling us out of our comfort zone and yes. putting and putting us in somewhat extreme conditions. Yes. And and what why he did that he told us is he says nothing builds community like controlled crisis is what he said. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we're in a controlled crisis right now. I don't think we are. <laughs> but it's <laughs> building it's building community, right? Well, it is um, because but, we're it's a shared experience that we're all going through, and so yeah. when I go to the like my my neighborhood park now, you know I can talk to anybody. Yes, and all you have to say is, "How are you doing? What is this like for you?" And yeah. you know, people they, they are up. looking for opportunities to just share. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then yeah. You can offer encouragement or support. Um, So I feel, although I feel distant from many people, I'm also feeling close in some ways, closer through just all the telephone calls I've been making and and just like the the seriousness of conversation these days as opposed to just, hey, how you doing? Like now we're really, I'm really engaging people from a distance. People are engaged with each other. No. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not superficial. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I find too, 
is if you really reflect on what's going on, you know, and all these, you talk about controlled uh, crisis, crises, but all these things that we've built up for ourselves, our economic system to protect our well-being, mostly at the expense really of others, our military to protect our well-being. And I was just listening on uh, the TV today. And the, the most important military uh, component in the US is its Navy. And you know what's happening to those cruise ships? You only need one or two. Mm. And you know, you could be disabled militarily. Uh, it really makes you aware of how little control we collectively have over ourselves. And it's time to really reflect on this. And I think we are. Mm -hmm. This brings that around. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, as I mentioned to you in an email, there comes a time when you have to sort of say, how do we relook at our economic system how do we really really relook at our ecologic approach how many more people do we want to introduce to this world and just as they talk about this uh leveling of the bubble uh maybe we should do that also with our population now, how do you do that? When, <laughs> what, what are you, you suggesting, know, Jake? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it is difficult. Yeah. Um, you have a look at what's happening. The U.S. is being hit with this virus right now. Yeah. You know, India is about to get hit. Africa, South America, and those people aren't anywhere near ready to deal with it that the U.S. is, and the U.S. has been, Having you know. Her time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's time that we really looked at that. And how do you do that when we have so many different cultures and ways of looking at things? And mm -hmm. anyway, so. And, and, and that and, uh, you know, our, what, one of the things I find myself thinking about, it's, I mean, it's maybe a cliche way of saying it, but, um, the world has enough, like there's enough resources in the world for everyone's need, but not enough resources in the world for everyone's greed. Exactly. You know, we, we all, if, and that's, that's a hard thing because our, our current system relies on spending and accumulation. And yes. as long as people are buying things, the economy goes on, people, people have jobs, people, you know, the start, stock market goes up everyone yeah. everyone's kind of happy but meanwhile the earth is giving 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 yes and eventually it will say and i can't give no more uh yeah. you guys have to have to rein it in and um anyway i think about that uh yeah because i don't know i find population control talk to be kind of scary actually whenever i hear people talk about it Oh, it's not scary. It's we don't know how to do it, right? Because you know, I mean, you can't you can't neuter everybody that you run into. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can your dog. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. No, I mean, but I mean, it's a live question. I hear what you're saying. Like, oh, yeah, this this yeah. world is it's it feels like it's starting to get pretty full. Well, and and uh, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with your you're saying there is enough for every for our need but not for our greed i'm wondering if we haven't surpassed the need mm. you know um I, i'm going to relate to your story my dad told me when i was eight years old um he went to indonesia in 1935 when it was a colony of uh, holland and he ended up on the island of sulawesi in the northern part, which is mostly Christian. And one of his jobs was as an economic development officer. 
so we asked for an audience of all the small hamlets uh, and towns, uh, the leaders of those towns and hamlets, and uh, got together with them. And then he was trying to impress on them that they had many skills uh, and they should maybe consider a cottage industry, pan for gold, etc. And when he was finished, one of them got up, and uh, the oldest one of the bunch, and uh, very politely said, Tuan. Now, Tuan is the word for Lord. If you spell it with a capital, it means God. Okay? So whites were addressed as Tuan. I was Tuan Kachil, small Tuan. Okay? <laughs> but anyway. Um, he got up and he said, yeah, I, we hear what you say, but why would we do this when everything we need, we have? Okay. Now, at the same time, Rockefeller, the richest man in the U.S., was asked by a reporter, Mr. Rockefeller, you're a very, very rich man. How much more do you need? And he said, just a little bit more, thank you. Now, I don't think either position is a good position to have uh, because we live in a developing environment and we live in a developing civilization. Nothing is static. Um, but as an eight-year-old, that stuck with me. Yeah. And I often ask that question myself, how much do I need? Mm. Yeah, but if, you know, if we just looked after our basic needs, then would we have made the scientific advances that we made, the medical advances that we made, mm -hmm. etc. you know? Yeah. And so, and that's where I found Christ teaching really difficult where he says you know the road that i am asking you to walk with me is narrow you're either on it or you're off it mm. you know um yeah mm. yeah we're on an interesting pilgrim here pilgrimage yeah, I wonder if these, you know, this experience will will rearrange our our values and and our possessions. Like, we'll rearrange how we think about how to use our money in the future. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it'll be well, people will be. I don't, you know, actually, I don't need that. Or, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how how this impacts our our societies view of, of money going forward. That's right. And now the question I have for you, my friend, where is mm -hmm. the church in all of this? Where is the, the church? church? Locally, the church locally, the church globally. Mm. And I don't know if there's an answer. You know, yeah. I'm a, I, I, I don't have an answer for uh, the global church. Um, well, so I'm part of a, a, a pastor's um, Facebook page. So there's about a thousand Christian Reform pastors that are part of this uh, group. And there's discussions that happen uh, frequently. And you would not believe, Jake, the innovation that is taking place by church yeah. leaders right now. Yeah. Uh, and I find that very exciting. Um, yeah. And we're, we're calling each other to, you know, higher and greater things, um, asking the fundamental questions, what does it look like to witness? What does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God? Right. We're looking in our past of various times in history where the church has stepped up in times of plague or pandemic. And, uh, I mean, so much of the healthcare system that we have today was, was built by, uh, you know, Christian people that um, said life, life matters, uh, health yes. matters, and 
we're going to pool resources to create hospitals. Um, exactly. Yes. And I have, from what I see just from the conversation that's taking place and the excitement and the innovation that's happening on the local level, I have a feeling that, um, you know, not all churches are rising up, but, but many churches are, are seeing what's going on and, and they see this as a, an opportunity for creative witness and an opportunity to be sort of a, a blessing in, in the city that, or place that God has placed them. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about that too. And, and, you know, one of the ideas I have, maybe I'll bounce this off of you, but you know, when this all starts to, to wrap up, I feel like it, it'd be fun to have some sort of bless our, bless our city initiative specifically economically. So I don't know if we have like a, a VCRC eats night or something where we just, everyone, you know, partners up with another person or couple or, you know, take groups of five or six and they go out to these restaurants that have been really hit by, uh, by the virus. And, um, Anyway, the idea of the event would be, you know, buy a meal, spend some time together, but then just leave a huge tip, just like astronaut, you know, just like a hundred bucks or something, you know, or $150 tip, maybe with a little note saying, we care about our city. We care about you. Thank you for serving us tonight. You know, God bless BCRC or whatever. You know, we don't even have to put our name on it. We, no, could, just, no. we could just do an act of, of, economic kindness to people who've been out of work to businesses that are you know teetering on the edge of can we make it can we continue um no that's just one idea i had of, of how to how to engage this creatively in our own context um but i'm actually excited mostly excited less about the gathered church and more about the scattered church. Uh, like I'm excited yes. about the relation, the, the conversations that you're going to have with people at Costco after this yeah. or your, or your neighbor down the street who left exactly. you that nice yeah. note. And for me, I'm excited about the conversations I'm going to have at my neighborhood park with all these acquaintances that I've, you know, made over the years. And yeah. um, I think that's where the, that's where the real ministry has yes. the potential to happen. Um, I mean, I think we could do stuff together as well as a, as a group, a gathered group, but, but those relationships we have in, in, in Victoria, I mean, and, and really leaning into them and, and seeking to show God's love in the midst of, of this. That's what I'm excited about. The challenge which you're really putting out as a church is for us to recognize that Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And he didn't mean us all clustered together in a church. He meant us as individuals, you know, and just operate from your authentic self, yeah. you know, in partnership with God. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be conscious. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, what you said earlier about um, not controlling, like, that is a, a truly a liberating part of at least that you know the tradition that we're a part of is that like you, you god invites us to be authentic yes and to be loving to neighbor as we seek to you know do the god's mission but the results are not we can't control those right no no. And uh, all we can do is show up and and seek to be a partner with God in the midst of whatever God's put in front of exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what gives me peace. Hmm. Yeah. By the way, there's some other people that I really admire now. And exactly. those are the people who were willing to stand for office, you know, in um, strata councils, in our communities, in our province, in our country. Um, and they're all facing together the, the issues that are confronting us. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, 
yeah, I think about our elected leaders a lot right now. And um, that Bonnie Henry, I mean, she's, oh. she's probably working from five in the morning till 11 at night. And she's but an authentic person. Yes, we are. Says, says it the way it is without yeah. drawing any attention to herself. Totally yeah. preoccupied in the well-being of our society. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. we, are, we are blessed by her for sure. Yeah, and so many others. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, a lot of heroes. That's good. Well, you're only finding out that we've been living with him for a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, what else? Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Jake? No, no, no. I could go on and on about things. <laughs> I think well, I've done my share of yapping. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been at it for about an hour. Um, yes, but it's it's been it's been really good to good to chat um, and hear what this has been like for you and what you're think yes. find yourself thinking about. Um, you you did share quite authentically about a lot of parts of your journey. Um, would you be willing if we oh, shared sure. shared this on the web? If there for any benefit to anybody, sure. Okay. You know, and you know what? They're not special because of each one of us looks deep inside of ourselves. Hey, there's been a lot of uh, suffering. Yeah. Um, as well as a lot of love that we've experienced in life. Yeah. yeah. So. And, you, and you're sharing it. Well, give, give people courage to share as well, you know. Oh, I think it's important. I remember, you know, when, when uh, this is my last story. Sure. Um, I was in grade nine in uh, high school in Toronto. And uh, one of the requirements was that in the fall, you had to make a speech. And in the spring, you had to, you know, the, yeah, the spring term, you had to do a book review, an oral book review. And then um, before the end of the year, you had to participate in a, pub, you know, a, a public debate in the class. Anyway, so this is grade nine. There are 19 nationalities in my class of 37 students, okay? And so one of the criteria that we were marked on is how well we uh, maintain the interest of our audience. And the other one was 50% of your mark was your ability to deliver without reading. So I, I delivered a, a, my talk about my experience in Indonesia after the war and before we came to Canada when there was a revolution for independence in Indonesia and the whites were the targets and it was very traumatic. I remember writing this out. I remember shaking as I read it out and reading it from one end to the other. And then I heard from another class fellow, friend, who said, well, Miss Henderson said, we had this guy and he had everyone's attention. And then he read it all. And what I realized later, later on was, I was able to get it off my chest verbally. Yeah. You know, I can now talk about these things without shaking. Yeah. Um, and that sort of stuck with me. So I got 50%. <laughs> speech. Yeah, fifty percent from your teacher, but but you got uh, but you got more than that. Um, your from own, myself, your own, your yeah. own, yeah, yeah. No, what made me do that? I have no idea. You know, but it sure helps. Anyway, and that's what I think is important about sharing your own story. Yeah, don't be afraid to share it, no matter how traumatic. It has been, you know, that's part of our life's journey. And it's also part of what we owe each other to share. 
That's right. You know, you said life is a relationship. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, Jake, thanks for sharing with us and with me. And um, I look forward to giving you a big, big real hug, you know, when we can meet next. And hopefully we'll have a church service sometime in, in a little while. But until then, we'll, 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 we'll perhaps talk on the phone sometime soon. And yeah, we'll talk later. Hey, hey, forget the hug. It's the coffee I'm after. No. <laughs> okay, well, I can give you a hug after the coffee. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, take care. All right, talk to you later, Jake. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye.